Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Or you can write this down and highlight it as the promise of God being fulfilled in the New Testament. Verse 6, this is where we keep going. It's a very familiar passage at this time of year. A lot of pastors are preaching from this passage. Verse 6 says this. For unto us... For unto us... It's funny. We do that in staff meeting. We've got this one chair, and Pastor Lydia moves it every week. Every week in staff meeting, we move this one chair to where Pastor Lydia is sitting in it. And she, every time she moves it, she's like, I got rid of this chair. Like, I know, we put it back every week just to irritate. All right, so for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. I didn't say this in first service, but I think this is important for somebody, okay? You need to understand that God loves you just as much as he did his own son. So when, when he gave his son, he's showing how much he cares about you as his child or his potential child. He doesn't care more for Jesus than he did for you, or he wouldn't have given him. Come on, you understand? Like, I love you guys, but I don't love you as much as I do my son, and you can't have him. <laughs> like, if it's between you and him, bye. <laughs> you know, like, I love you, but man, that's my son. But God loves you as his own, which is why he gave his own Lee. Somebody, that's for somebody. God loves you as his own, which is why he gave his own Lee. He loves you. You are his. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And just remember that if God can establish a government upon Jesus' shoulders, then whatever you carry is not too much for him. Certainly he can handle you and everything that comes along with you. My seven-year-old, five-year-old, and three-year-old, they don't need me the most when everything's going well. Certainly, they need me to celebrate them, celebrate with them the victories in life. And I need to be excited when they're excited and, 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 and minister to them and, and, and give them attention as I need. But, but when they need me the most is when they're struggling with something, when they've been hurt by something, when, when something messed up their day or even more, when they did something to mess up their day. And so you don't have to be ashamed when you come before the Father. You just need to be convicted. And let Him handle whatever it is that you're carrying. And if God can establish a government of which His peace and reign there shall be no end, then you need to understand that He can handle you and everything that comes along with you. In fact, He wants to carry it for you. That's why He says, cast your care upon me because I care for you. And He said, let's trade, actually. I love you so much, I'll trade burdens with you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I can handle it. In fact, I want to. I want my children to come to me. I don't want them to hide or die in the secret place. I want them to bring their issues, their problems, their struggles, their doubts, their worries, their concerns, even their sin. I want them to come to me. And I tell them, the only thing that you will ever do to see my absolute wrath 
is if you lie to me or keep things from me. You can come to me with anything in the world. I promise you can come to me with anything. But if you lie to me or you keep things from me, that may come back to bite me in my tail when they're 14, 15, 16. But right now, I'm believing that I can be just as much of a friend as I can a father. And I want them to come to me, and God wants you to come to him. Why? His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor. Sometimes, so many times we read over these things just because it's a list, right? But every name represents a need. God is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, which is where we're going to hone in today, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Seeing kind of the preparation of this celebration called uh, that many people will refer to as, as Advent or the arrival or coming. And speaking of coming, I just want to say thank you for, for getting up on what was kind of a, a rainy and, and dreary morning and getting yourselves and your families ready. We had well over 200 people in our first service, which led to approximately four people, I think. I'm trying to count in my head just how many responded that received salvation and over 70 people that prayed and just received the message today and, and received some stuff. So listen, even though it doesn't feel great in here because we split to two services and our parking lot cannot facilitate, nor can our children's ministry, the fact that you came today means that God wants to do something in you because you're predestined to be here for this moment, not just that moment. And God's will for you is always better than your will to stay in the bed. So I just wanted to give you a little shout out this morning as we prepare for whatever that celebration looks like for you. That is the promise of God coming to pass in a son named Jesus. Now, um, this is actually the first year. I guess my mother-in-law bought this because I didn't buy it, and I don't know where it came from. But we had this little calendar on our table in the living room. And, uh, and I, don't, I guess only Adeline knows because I haven't heard any fights break out over this calendar. In this calendar, uh, every day there's like a little, you know, stitch mark, and you open up the door, and there's some chocolate in the calendar, okay? And so every day uh, we... Adeline eats a piece of, of chocolate, and that represents the day, and, and, and she knows no matter what we do, right? And, and let me just say, disclaimer, I'm not against consumerism. In fact, I think it's healthy for our economy that people spend money and don't hoard it and only save it. I think it's good stewardship to save and do what you're supposed to and not overspend or put yourself into debt just trying to keep up with everybody else. But there's nothing wrong with our economy going around in a circle and feeding off of itself. In fact, I think it's healthy for most people during this time of year to go out and, and maybe spend some of that and, and, and invest into the community or into the whatever it is, the businesses and the pro, whatever it is that makes our free market go. I don't necessarily have anything against that. Now, overspending, yeah, or, or missing the purpose, absolutely. I don't really have a big issue with a fat guy with a big beard. Like, it doesn't bother me, right? I like his red coat, and I show my kids a movie. Now, I do want them to understand this, though, that there's only one reason that we celebrate this season. So whenever they ask me questions, I ask questions back. Well, what do you think? Well, I don't know, Daddy, was it da-da-da-da-da? Is this real? Is that real? Is that? And I say, baby, listen, here's what I want you to know. The one thing I want you to remember, no matter where you stand, no matter what you believe, I want you to know this one thing, that God sent his son, Jesus. And he sent him to earth from heaven. And that's why we have Christmas.
Everything else is kind of subject to whatever you want it to be for a little while. But you remember that Jesus is the reason that we celebrate. It's the arrival or the coming of the promised king. He broke in to our world and he will break in again. He didn't just come, but he's coming back. Now listen, here's what's really important. As we stand in between that promise given and that promise received, just like they stood in between the promise of Isaiah and the prophets before him, that there was a Messiah coming. Our Messiah said, I go to be with my father, but I'm coming back. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to come back and get you. And now we stand in the New Testament of the promise given and the promise received. But here's the purpose of the whole deal is that we still stand and he still breaks in. At any given time, at any given point, the New Testament covenant is not that I've left you and I'll come back later alone. It's that I may be gone to him for a little while, but you need to understand I send my spirit to dwell with you and you never have to go through this thing alone again. In fact, I don't just go. I intercede on your behalf. I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. God didn't just break into our world 2,000 years ago. He's not just going to break in again at any given time when he comes back. He is able to break into any area, any situation, any trial, any temptation. Come on, somebody. Any sorrow, any guilt, any hindrance, any hurt, any struggle, any worry, any concern. I don't know who this is for. Any remembrance of you are the child of God, the Most High, and you are joint heirs with Jesus, and he loves you just as much as he did his own he can break in at any time and he will I will be with you always he is still the God of Isaiah 9 he's still wonderful he's still counselor he's still mighty God that is the promise that we saw come to pass that we celebrate came and was born and laid in a manger that he is everlasting father and Prince of Peace. Every name of God represents a need of man. Every name of God represents a need of man. So we're going to go back to the first name that God ever gave man. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 and 2 says, When Abram was 99 years old, Boy, that's a time to realize you're called of God, huh? Like, I'm thinking, I'm like at least 15 years overdue. Like, God's forgotten. It's time for me to go home. <laughs> but Abram, first recognition of the voice of God, 99 years old. Can I just, that's, this is for somebody this morning. I don't know where you are in life or in your journey with Jesus, but as long as you still have a heartbeat and you have the breath of God, which is the life in your soul, in your lungs, then God still has something for you to do. He's still got a purpose for you. He's still got a plan for you. He's not finished with you or he'd have brought you home. So Abram was 99 years old and he hadn't even received his new identity yet. God's not finished using you wherever you you are. There's people in your life that you still have influence with or people in your life that you have yet to discover how much influence you actually have. And God wants to use you to build his kingdom and minister to those people, no matter how young or aged you like that, that you are. 
Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. In verse 2, he says, I will make a covenant with you. He doesn't just give him something to do. He says, I'll make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to bless you. Which is what that, I know it says to give you countless descendants. Some of y'all are like me. You're like, I'm good on the descendants thing. I'm done. Like, three is good for me. I don't need no more, okay? But, but really, those descendants were just part of the threefold blessing. The blessing, the land, and the descendants, the promises of God. That he's saying, I'll make a cut. If you will recognize who I am, El Shaddai, mighty God, then you'll have purpose, then you'll have significance. You'll be able to live a blameless life through me. And in fact, not only have I called you, but I covenant with you to see that thing all the way through. I haven't just called you for a purpose. I will sustain you, El Shaddai you, through the call. I haven't just saved you. I will sanctify you all the way. I didn't just begin a good work in you and then forget about you and go and ignore you. No, I'm faithful to see that thing through all the way to the end. I am El Shaddai, the beginning and the end. I am your sustenance and your substance. I'm your strength. So understanding that, now we can kind of get a glimpse of why Jesus was so important. The Messiah was so important. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Peter writes to the church. He says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Okay? Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. See, Jesus is our unspeakable joy. It is Jesus that is our joy. And when we choose him, we choose joy. In the spotlight, just as it should be. <laughs> just like it was. All right, give it up for joy. She's from Inside Out originally. How many of you have never seen Inside No, don't do that, because then I'm going to tell you to go to Redbox and get with 2017 before it ends on you. Inside Out, main character, also the highlight, the spotlight, if you will, of our Inside Out Christmas program. Joy, let me just ask this. I'll let you elaborate a little bit. But uh, what brings you out here to sneak up on me? By the way, where's our security team on that, man? I have a blue-haired wonder sneaking up on me from the back. There should have been like a water boy right there. Somebody take her out. You don't know what she was going to do. I'm sorry. Okay, don't do that. She's, she's here now. So what, what brings you out here with us? Well, I was in the back with Wiggles and Giggles, and we were having so much fun because they can party. But then I heard you say joyous, and I was like, oh, he's talking about me. So I had to come see what you were doing. Okay, so just so that you know, Wiggles and Giggles, um, that's not like an idea. Those are two characters that we have at our Christmas yeah. party for the kids back in the back. Uh, they have... Uh, 
They have cookies. They have fewer cookies than, than they had before I figured out that they had cookies back there. But they still have some cookies and brownies, and they're having a good time back there. Joy has come out for us. She is just kind of a visual aid for us, if you will. All of these boxes, they represent different emotions. If you've never seen the movie, each character represents an emotion. And these boxes today, we've got the purple represents fear, right? Go Tigers. That's what I'm talking about right there. Purple right there, right there at the front. That represents fear in Death Valley, okay? Right here is disgust, right here. The green is disgust, and then the red is, you know, you lose your temper, that's your temperature, that's anger, and then over on the end, you know, you get the blues. We live in Cajun country, you know the, you know the blues, and each, each one of those colors represents an emotion. So, Joy, I guess the question for you is, do you ever feel, I mean, you are Joy, okay, but do you ever feel any of these other emotions, if you will? Yeah, sometimes I feel like sadness, and other times I feel angry and fear, and then I want to hide. <laughs> and, of course, I feel disgusted sometimes. But I always choose joy. So she chooses to be who she is. No matter how, how she feels. So are you saying that you have to choose not to be sad or not to be angry or, or not to be disgust or fear? Is that what you're choosing not to be those things? Not exactly. Okay. I mean, I feel all of these emotions just like you feel all of these emotions, which, I mean, we all do. But I choose Jesus I choose Jesus no matter how I feel, and I experience joy, an unspeakable joy. All That's right. what I choose. So the next time that you feel one of these emotions, this is choose. the visual aid, we're going to choose Jesus and experience joy. You can just paint this picture in your head. She's way prettier than me. I'll just step down <laughs> for a second. Even with the blue wig, it's still extremely joyous. Come on, give her a hand. I'm going to let her go back to her party up top, yeah. top shelf. Thank you, Joy, for being out here with us. She's going to go play with my kids for the second time, have some brownies for us. In the name of Jesus, may they all turn into vegetables in your body. We just bless you. We bless you. We choose Jesus. And when we choose Jesus, we experience joy. Unspeakable joy. Now listen, here's what a lot of us try to do, okay? A lot of us try to, when we are afraid, we make this mistake. We try not to be afraid, okay? Or, or when we're disgusted with something or somebody. Hashtag unforgiveness, bitterness. When we feel disgusted with someone or somebody, we try not to be disgusted. But if you're trying not to be afraid, then what are you still focused on? So when, when you're angry and you're upset, and it maybe even it's even justified. Like, I've experienced some, some anger that I, I, I really think it was righteous. Like, I felt like if there'd have been tables somewhere, I'd have flipped them and God would have been proud, okay? I, there have been times when I felt 
that way, and, in, and I would try not to be angry, or even times, and I don't know if anybody relates to this, my wife doesn't relate to it as much as I relate to it, but there are some times where, man, I'm up here, and I just feel it, like I'm with it, but then there are times where I will wake up, I'm talking about like open my eyes, and I will feel just down here. I don't even know why. Then nothing's happened, nothing's wrong. I have anxiety. I just feel like my, my chest is gonna cave in. I feel undue pressure for no apparent reason because 70 degrees and sunny outside. And for whatever reason, I'm just not excited about the day or the things of the day. Or even if there's nothing going on, I just got some blue on me. And then I will try not to be blue. But when I, when I try not to be sad, I'm trying not to be sad. What am I still focused on? Sadness. Instead of trying not to be something, and teenagers and, and young people, how about instead of trying not to be lustful, come on, instead of trying not to worry about my finances or my future, instead of trying not to worry about my children or where they are or are not in Christ, Instead of trying not to be afraid, disgusted, unforgiving, because I'm still focused on all those things, instead of trying not to be depressed or not to be angry or anxious or whatever it is for my day, I'm going to focus on choosing Jesus. Because when I choose Jesus, I discover the joy that can only be found in him. I'm not going to fix my eyes or myself on trying not to be something that I'm feeling like I am. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus and I'm going to let my feelings follow my faith to the place that he already has for me. I'm going to choose Jesus and experience joy. So the next time that you feel any of these emotions, instead of being controlled by those emotions, you need to begin to fight to choose Jesus. Fight to fix your eyes on Jesus. Because when you get Jesus, the rest will begin to fade. I'm not saying it's going to be gone like that. I'm saying that when you choose Jesus, you will begin to discover that you're more in him than you even knew you could be. What is unspeakable joy? It comes from that passage, joy inexpressible. I like joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's kind of the King James, New King James. That's kind of how I learned it as a royal ranger. Yeah, I was a royal ranger. Royal ambassador is what we were. I grew up in a different denomination. We were royal ambassadors, and, and we made speed cars. <laughs> We'd go do those things. We had to learn verses in order to get our speed cars built. So I had a good memory. I could learn it right beforehand, regurgitate it to that individual right there, and go build my car. Everybody else has studied for all week long. You know, I was just good that way. But I had this verse, joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. What is unspeakable joy? Unspeakable joy is the exact opposite of being controlled by one of these emotions. Unspeakable joy is the opposite of following your feelings. Unspeakable joy is it's joy so overwhelming that it is expressed only in action. It's, uh, it's Pastor Weston, whenever he receives like 
a really big or a really expensive gift at Christmas. Like, that's his love language. Big, expensive. There's like a big, there's like a joke that goes on whenever I ask Pastor Weston, you know, how much is that gonna cost? It's like bottom line, $1,000. You know, whatever it is, new booklets for next steps, $1,000. A microphone, a thousand, whatever it is, it starts at a thousand and goes up from there. He just has, he has, expensive taste. (laughs) He would just say it's good taste. But then there was this one time that he's sharing a testimony about his parents or grandparents giving to him at Christmas in a time of of need for himself. He was was struggling. He didn't know how he was going to meet the need. And he opened up this gift and it was exactly what he needed, um, that he needed to pay it off and he needed to deal with it or he needed a solution for it. It was exactly what he needed. And when he opened it, there were just no words Right? He just began to sob or, or began to just be excited or, or hug or express his gratitude. Listen, that's, that's how worship should be. When we are standing in the middle of a worship service and all of a sudden that song resonates with our heart, or maybe it's not even the song, it's just a decision to realize that, that God has brought us in here so that we're still not still out there. Like that he has put us on path and because of what he's done, We're becoming who he created us to be instead of no longer being who we were and suffering the consequences of those bad decisions. And so the only thing that I have left, I can't even sing the song anymore whenever I realize what he's done for me, what he's brought me from, what he's forgiven me for, who he's creating me to be, and how much influence it's making and a difference it's making in the the lives of the people that he's put in my life. I just, I can't help but express my joy unspeakable expression. It's joy that's, that's so excited that you, you just can't find the, the right words. It's the right words. Uh, Megan and I, I we were in, in New Jersey for a wedding, and I had, a, I had a plan, and I had a purchase on me in New Jersey. And, and my plan didn't really work out during the day because she was cold. Um, and it was raining, and so we went back, and I was like, great, now what do I do? So I'm like hunting all these different things that we could do, and, and we get back in the rental car at, after the rehearsal dinner and drive back over to Manhattan Island, and we go from Manhattan Island in New York City to, to the Marriott Marquis, and there's a revolving restaurant in the top of the Marriott Marquis. It's like 10 o'clock at night. She doesn't know why we're there. She's just glad that we are, and I'm like, look at the lights. Look how alive New York is at 10, in the, 10 o'clock at night. Isn't it crazy? There's so many people still awake and, and alive in other parts of the country that aren't Eunice, and so we were there, and, and we were up there, and, and uh, she had to use the restroom, and, and the waiter, I was really hoping for a waitress, um, but the waiter came over, and I was like, hey, Liz, I, I have this ring. I'm, I'm going to try to propose to my girlfriend tonight, and, and I, was, I was a little sad that it was a waiter. I was hoping I would have a waitress, but as soon as I showed it to him, he's like, oh, I got it. I'm so glad. I was like, yes, and it was, this is exactly the guy for the hour. This is my moment, and he took my ring, and he had a plan, and and so she comes back, and I'm being weird, and she's like overactive and hyper because of Red Bull or something that she sold at that point, and she had had too many of, and, and I'm like all fidgety, and I'm, I'm waiting for the dude to come back out with the ring. And anyway, so he comes back out, and, and the ring is on the plate, and she looks down, and she sees it, 
And I got down on my knee. I know, guys, I'm sorry. I'm doing you in right now because I did good with this. And so I, get, I, got down, I got down on my knee, and there was these two girls behind her, you know, mid-20s, early 30s or so. They were sitting behind her. They were eating dinner together. And, and one of them saw me get down, and she starts slapping the other one. You know, I don't know why y'all get so excited. Like, she was so excited. She didn't have words. She's like smacking her friend. I'm down on my knee, and... And I, I, you know, I had some things to say because I, I try to be good with my words. If you take my words away, I'm, I'm actually kind of in trouble. And so I had this plan and, and I said all these things that ended with, will you marry me? And she looked at the ring and she looked at me and she goes, and remember, you're so excited that you can't find the right words, right? She looks at me and she goes, are you serious? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm just kidding. I got this out of the gumball machine on the way here. Yeah. Girl, is that a yes or what? She's like, yes, you know. So it's that that unspeakable joy. Unspeakable. It's inexpressible. It's it's full of the glory of God. But listen, that joy is not just subject to a really good moment. It's not just controlled by the emotion of a really good experience. What are some characteristics of joy? Well, number one, joy is not external. It's internal. Joy is internal. Joy is not dependent upon chance of the day. It is dependent upon choice. It is our choice, not chance. It's not external. It's internal. It's not by chance that we have joy. It's by choice that we have joy. I really like this one. Joy is not a jinx. It's not subject to a jinx. It's not lost in a jinx. Now, being a guy, a little bit of a um, baseball background, I think that the only people in the world that are more superstitious than baseball players are maybe like hockey players. Like, I read a story of a guy that didn't wash his socks like all year, okay? That's a terrible idea. Don't do that, okay? But you get away with it in, on, over ice and, you know, I don't know. Anyways, so they did that. And, uh, well, I was, I, at, at one point, was pretty superstitious. And, and then I just learned how to kind of have fun with it. And we were getting ready for a game. And uh, in single A, we were, we were eating before the game. And, and we had these incredible uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's what you get in single A. <laughs> Big leaguers or whatever they want, right? I heard, like, um, What's his name from Duke playing basketball the other day? He's like, we have this incredible chef, and, and every week before, or every day before my game, I have him grill me some, I was like, oh, come on, somebody, beets, because they're great in oxygen. I was like, beets? Come on, man. I'll get you some pickled beets in the minor leagues, brother. You got to get some. So anyways, we had peanut butter and jelly, right? And, and we we're all sitting around the table, and, and this guy named Brandon Barnes was eating his sandwich. He was starting that day, just like every other day. Um, he was getting ready, and, and all of a sudden I looked, and, and he took a bite out of his sandwich. And in the middle of his sandwich was a hair. I don't mean like a little squirrel hair, okay? That's not what I'm, I'm talking about like a, like a grown man hair. Like somebody plucked one of my longest beard hairs and like toothpicked it into his sandwich, okay? And it's sticking out of it. I know, that's awesome, isn't it? For all the weak stomach people in the room, you'll remember this illustration. So I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the sandwich, I'm looking at the hair, and he's like, oh, man, there's a hair in my sandwich. And I just immediately, I don't know why I thought, I just thought, of, I said, dude, if you will eat that, you'll get three hits today. And before I even finished it, he's like, oh, 
I'm talking about took a bite out of the whole thing, chewed it up, and swallowed somebody else's hair. I, <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> I hope that happens for you. He struck out three times that day. That's a true story. I didn't make that part up. That is for real. That's not an exaggeration. He had a hat trick on the day, struck out three times, and we all learned that I wasn't a prophet. At that time, it was, it was a good thing. But listen, we are not subject our joy is not, is not lost in a jinx or in a curse or in somebody's bad words or, or bad emotion or bad expression. No, our joy is not lost in that jinx. It's found in Jesus. We are not a superstitious people. We are a spiritual people. And the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us and we don't have anything else to express except for the joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy is not a feeling. It's a product of our faith. In fact, if you go through this life following your feelings, you will lead yourself astray. But if you will go through this life following faith in Jesus, then he will keep you on the straight and narrow. It will work out eventually. It will, it will send you to the right place. And finally, joy is not subject to my situation. Joy is seized in my Savior. It's not in who I am or in what's going on around me. It's in who He is and what He's already done for me. Joy, unspeakable joy, is found in Jesus. Not subject to emotion. Not subject to circumstance. Subject to this one and only thing. My decision. Did you know that from the very beginning, God Almighty, El Shaddai, has subjected his dominion to the decision of man? In the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, the dominion of God was based on the decision of man. Eat from everything but that tree. God subjected his dominion and his rule over all the earth to man's decision to be obedient. And he still did the same thing today. In fact, when Jesus came, he came and he died once and for all sin, right? But his dominion and his salvation is subject to our decision. And by the way, it doesn't end when we make that decision. The same responsibility that we had to choose Christ, we will continue to have to choose him over and over and over again every day. We had the responsibility to receive Christ. We will have the responsibility to remain in Christ and let him complete what he began. Because his dominion will never cease being subject to our decision. Until it is in the last days when we don't have the opportunity to decide anymore, then his dominion is no longer subject to our decision. Let's go back and read Genesis 17, verse 1 again. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. So serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. See, if you don't recognize El Shaddai, if you don't recognize God Almighty, then you don't have anybody to serve faithfully. You serve blindly, without purpose or plan. 
But when you recognize his sufficiency, when you recognize that he is God Almighty, there's something that's stirred inside of you that wants to serve him faithfully and live before him blamelessly. Without God, there is no moral standard. There is no moral compass. Everything, even morality, is subjective in nature. Our purpose is subjective. Our, our leadership, our ability, our willingness, whatever it is, there's no point. There's no plan. But in Christ, we have a person to serve faithfully. We have a purpose to serve faithfully. And when we discover that purpose and we serve it faithfully, we begin to realize that in serving that purpose, purpose, we are living a blameless life all of a sudden, not because of what we've done or what we're doing, but what he's already accomplished and what he has for us to continue to accomplish. We are able to live blamelessly as we follow him. As you follow Jesus, you don't continue to fall over the same things that you used to fall over. You follow Jesus and therefore you find your purpose in him. El Shaddai, and you guys can join me. El Shaddai, it just simply translate, God is sufficient. God is sufficient. Or God is enough. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, El Shaddai, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God is my substance. He is my strength. Jesus came and he's coming back, but he's not just what he was and he's not just what he will be. He is what he is for the here and now. He's God Almighty. He will sustain me with his name. I had this picture of Gabriel. I don't know if you saw it, and I just couldn't help but post it. He was walking down the aisle of Pastor Lydia's wedding with a pillow and he was looking over and what's funny is he was looking over at his mama because she was directing him down so he's like literally walking like this so glad I didn't just fall how bad would that have been <laughs> he's walking down the aisle and he's looking at his parents and then I'm standing up front so he's coming to me and there was this picture taken of him and Golly, it was, that dude's pretty. Like when he came out, he was bald headed with a beak, and it was not a pretty baby. Seriously, he had fuzz and a nose. That was it, man. I was like, whew, glad you're a boy. <laughs> That's what I said. But then he got pretty. And I looked at him, and immediately when I looked, I was like, man, that dude is awesome. That's like the promise of God come to pass, and immediately, the Father spoke to me and he said, that's how I see you. You are my promise. You are my prayer. The way that you see him, that's how I see you. There's nothing that you can do to earn or lose my love for you. In fact, this is the only thing that I want you to do. And I wrote this down. I'll never forget it. I just want you to carry my name proudly. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I know who you are, says the Lord. I just want you to know who I am. God Almighty.
mighty. There is none that is more mighty, more able, more fulfilling. There is none that has the ability to break into your life and into your situation and make a difference. He's been breaking into history since creation, and he will continue until he takes control of it. The very beginning. I want to encourage you, either pray this over yourself or at least pray it over the people that you care about. This Psalm chapter 91, verse 1. You can go ask any one of my kids, and this is not like me pat myself on the back. This is like God put this on my heart, and we just begin to pray it over and over again. And our kids, thank God, just because even when I'm tired, I make myself go rock them, or I make myself go pray, even when I don't feel like it. Well, Pastor, I can't pray like you. Man, who cares? Pray like you. Pray like you. Speak over people like you would speak over them. Well, I don't know what to say. Say over other people what you wish somebody would have said over you. Well, I don't know how to talk to God. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. Well, then just talk to him about not knowing what to say. Talk to him about not knowing what to pray. I can promise you he wants to hear from you. And I can sit with my three-year-old son and I can say that we would dwell in his and he will say presence. And abide in his and he'll say shadow. Speaking the word of God into his life and into his heart. You know what he says back to me? Every time, almost every time, dwell in your presence, abide in your shadow. As soon as he says it, he'll go, there's a shadow right there. <laughs> I don't like shadows. Why is that shadow right there? He doesn't even know what it means, but he will. I want to remind you today, El Shaddai, he who dwells or lives in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, this I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge my fortress, my God, in Him I will put my trust. I will trust. There's just something about Him. I just, I just sense that I'm supposed to. A lot of people think that God removing the man and the woman from the Garden of Eden was an act of punishment. And, and by the way, I say Adam and the woman on purpose because it wasn't God that named her Eve. It was Adam. It's part of the curse. He called her Eve, or mother of all the living, which is why today women still suffer postpartum depression because they feel like their only purpose in life was to bear that child. And after that child is bared or born, it wasn't all that it lived up to be or it's harder than it was supposed to be and all the excitement fades because reality slaps you in the face because Adam cursed you to the limitation of the mother of all the living. But can I tell you that in God's eyes, he looked at them and saw Adam. He looked at them and saw a partnership and a companionship. He looked at them as he looks at the bride of Christ and said, alone, you're just a hand. Alone, you're just a foot. 
but together you are my bride and you get to be part of my body and part of my purpose. So a lot of people think that God cast them out of the garden as a curse or part of the punishment, an act of punishment. But really, I see it as an act of grace. Because when, remember, God's dominion is subject to man's decision. When man decided to disobey God, he cursed himself. And God knew that if he left man in that garden, then man, Adam, and the woman would have eaten of the tree of life and they would have remained in their fallen state for all of eternity. But that wasn't God's will for man. God's will for man was redemption. And that tree, that tree of life that God guarded with an angel in the Garden of Eden is gonna show back up in the book of Revelation. And we're not gonna eat of it in our fallen state. We're gonna eat of it in our redemptive state. And in him we shall remain forever. There will be no more tears and no more sorrow. Joy will be unspeakable and glory will be fulfilled. But there's a here and now in between there and then that we've gotta live in Jesus and follow him. Fix our eyes upon him and trust him, not with just our feelings, but with our faith, even when we don't feel like it. Then we can know, as John the Revelator knew in in chapter one of the book of Revelations, verse five, from Jesus Christ, those things came. He is the faithful witness to these things. He was the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory because he is God sufficient. He is God enough. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He made us a kingdom of priests. And let me just pause for a minute and address something that irritates me. I don't believe that you have to live your life for Jesus through anybody else. I believe that it was Christ and Christ alone that shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. It was Christ and Christ alone that raised from the dead three days later. And all you have to do is pray in the name of Jesus and he will forgive your sin. He will sanctify your soul. He will fill you with his love and joy. It is he that made us a kingdom of priests. For who? For God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7 says, look. (laughs) I say that a lot. I get picked on. My, My best friends pick on me. When I'm like, watch this. But John says it too. He says, look. He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. (laughs) You're about turning sadness into joy. All of a sudden, you're mourning for the joy of all the world, for all of creation. Yes. And amen. Come on, I want this to saturate in you today. Verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, El Shaddai, the Almighty One. He's still able today, just as he was then. And now we can read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, through a new pair of lenses. Verse 8 says, you love him, even though you never saw him. You remember Peter in the Gospels? This is the one that was always popping off. (laughs) 
All the disciples are like, it's a ghost. Jesus is like, fear not. It's me. And Peter's like, if it's really you, ask me to come. Jesus is like, okay, come on. Peter's like, <laughs> and he starts drowning. Listen, God does not need your perfection. He just needs your obedience. He doesn't need your feelings. He just needs your faithfulness. And your feelings will follow because Peter walked with Jesus, walked on water. Peter was there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. Peter was there when God himself came down with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter was there when that lame man was lowered down through a roof and Jesus forgave his sins. And oh, by the way, hey, take your bed and go home just to show off. Like he could have just forgave. Peter was there and he still messed it up. You don't have to be perfect. You have to be a child. It's okay to not get it right the first time. It's just not okay to quit. You love him even though you never saw him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. There's something inside of you that knows better than to keep going in the same direction without him. And all of those who understand this, you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. This Christmas, as we bring this year to a close, I want you to remember that Jesus and Jesus alone is our unspeakable joy. My hope is in Him. My peace is in Him. My faith is in him. My trust is in him. My fulfillment is in him. My love for my bride and my babies is in him. My joy is in him. My self-control, my patience, my suffering, my obedience, my discipline. Anything that I do that's more valuable than the life that I live, anything that doesn't die with me, anything that carries on beyond me is because of the eternity of the everlasting Father, the Almighty, the everlasting lasting God, the wonderful counselor, prince of peace, rose of Sharon, lamb that was slain, lion of the tribe of Judah. His name was Jesus and it shall forever be. I may be standing in the in-between, but I can stand on the promises of the Savior that's already proven himself and will continue to do so until he relinquishes my choice and takes control. I get to choose today. Father, I pray right now, no matter where we are in you, whatever our situation, our circumstance, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would help us hear from you in this moment. Whatever we came in here carrying, sin, guilt, depression, anxiety, fear, anger, unforgiveness. Would I pray right now that we would decide to subject that back to you. 
in an attitude of prayer? Are you in the room today and you just don't know where you stand? You've either never received salvation or you know you need to recommit to His plan and His purpose for your life. You haven't been following Him, but today you want to make that decision to follow Him with everything that you have, to receive salvation, to receive joy, which is ultimately to choose Jesus. If you've never done that or if it's been a long time since you've done that and you know you've drifted away and you're not sure today if you left this place where you would spend eternity, I believe that God brought you here today to make that right. If I'm talking to you and you want to receive salvation, just be included in this prayer in just a minute. Would you just raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. Nobody's looking around. This is between you and Jesus. I'm just watching so I can know who we're praying for. Am I talking to you? Don't leave this place today unsettled with where you stand. I need to receive Christ. Anybody else? That's me. Pastor, I just want you to, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up in front of everybody. You either live this thing out or you wish you would have. I just want you to receive. Right now, am I talking to you? Just raise your hand right where you are. Thank you. Anybody else? Let me ask you this question. Nobody moving around. Nobody being a distraction for their neighbor or anybody else around them. Are you in the room today and you would just admit, like so many of us, that you're probably more controlled by some of these emotions than you are your faith? You're more controlled by fear or sadness or anger or disgust or unforgiveness. And today, you just want to submit that back to Him. And let him deal with it. You just want to make a conscious decision to stop trying not to be these things and to start choosing Jesus and his joy. If I'm talking to you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Say, that's me. That's me. I just need to make a more conscious decision of choosing Jesus and not being controlled by all these emotions. I need to follow my faith in Jesus and not my feelings in myself. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all over the room. Come on, would you pray this prayer with me this morning? Jesus, forgive me for falling short and being distracted. Those things are sinful. And they separate me from you. I don't want to be separated. I want to be in you. I want to do your will. Save me and help me to follow you with all of my heart. I choose you. And because of you, I can overcome. Anoint me to accomplish your will and achieve your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can you stand this morning and celebrate with heaven? Come on, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Just express it for just a second. Just express your gratitude. If all you can do is put your hands together, that's just fine. He created you. He gave you a percussion instrument to resound with heaven for and with. And I believe 
that if you will not just do it in the sanctuary, but that you will take it to the society, that you won't be controlled or ruled by these emotions, but that you can choose Jesus and other people will see it and they will want what they see in you and you can achieve his will for your life. Listen, if you prayed a prayer with us for the first time, even if you didn't raise your hand today, if you receive salvation for the first time or rededicated or you want to be baptized or you have a specific prayer request, if you would just write your name, if you're a guest first time or up to about third time, I think is what is on our card, if you'll fill that out before you leave today, don't forget tonight to come back and eat some gumbo with us. We recommend $5 per person, but your best offering will do just fine. And if you don't have anything, then just let us be a blessing to you. You can come and eat with us. We're going to pack in and all the proceeds are going to go to make Christmas at the Welcome House better than it would have been if you wouldn't have invested in them. Would you lift your hands, just open up like I'm handing you a present today. Let me pray over you and we'll be dismissed. Jesus, I love you. And I thank you for these people that took the time to come to church today, to come to a church service. God, I pray that you would bless us and keep us and that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance upon your people and help us to receive your peace. God, I pray that we would choose you in our daily lives and that by choosing you, we would experience the joy that you have available to us despite our circumstances, situation, fears, emotions, or feelings. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us to accomplish your will, to walk in your ways. And Holy Spirit, come upon us. Help us to receive the fullness of your glory and be a witness and an example to everyone that you put in our paths. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Meet somebody that you don't know, and God bless you. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you guys in a little while.